0: Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at ShorelineCC.com. Before we head into the Word, and today I I have almost had a special guest. You're special, but you're no guest. My wife, Pastor Stephanie, she's going to be team teaching with me today. And but before we do that, you know, our giving has changed so much. It used to be historically we would pass the plate around and we'd pray over it. And I just want to emphasize that as it relates to giving, giving is it's a spiritual act of worship where we're taking something that we worked hard for our money, but we're saying, Lord, you are my God. And I give it to you as an act of worship. It's what tithe means. It means that first 10% that we bring in. And so I'd like for just to, uh, just to invite you, just take, take a moment. Just to, can we just give thanks to the Lord as we recognize his provision in our life and, and the opportunity he's given us? Father, We as we give today, God, I just want to give thanks for all the ways that you provide, whether it's a job or uh, I've had groceries show up at my door. I've had bags of coffee show up at my door. Thank you. For all the ways you provide, Lord, we recognize everything is from you. You made us, you flow through us, and you provide. And even in the tough times, you teach us that you are a provider as we depend on you. So, Lord, we give now as an act of worship the, the tithe. We give to missionaries, Lord, men and women that you've called to be in, uh, in some of the most difficult forgotten places of our city, some of the most difficult forgotten places of our world. And Lord, some of the places that we all see, but the ground can be hard to plant the seed of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for them. And so, Lord, now we give as an act of worship to that. May you use it for your name, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as you heard Pastor Tiffany, do you you appreciate our youth pastor, Pastor Tiffany? And. she mentioned something announcements that I just want to bring, bring, uh, bring attention to. For me, how I give, I, just, I automated my giving because when I'm here, I'm talking to all of you, and I'm easily distracted. I, I love being around people. I get fueled up being around people. So my giving and my missions is automated. But there's, there's an opportunity that she talked about in the Church Center app. It just says, it says, Youth Event Scholarship. And our youth group, we, it, it, it has grown. As we've been coming out of COVID, we've had so many new people, so many wonderful students. Uh, some come, to, you'll see on Sunday morning, and some, they just go to youth group. Some of them, they're the only one in their family that goes to youth group. What a wonderful opportunity. But when we have these events like youth winter camp or youth camp, things like that, uh, being, I was a church kid growing up. But when I got away from everything, when I got away from my Atari Nintendo, how many Atari Nintendo people out there, right? And I just had a time just to focus on the Lord, away from all distractions. God, I heard God in those moments because the distraction that we're going to talk about here in a little bit was put aside. That's what this is. And my prayer is that there would never be a student that would come into this place and go, I can't experience that because of money because of money. And so today uh, we have, for this upcoming winter camp, we have a $1,000 need. And so if you would like to give, this is beyond our ties and our missions, right? Because uh, I still, I, I pay my mortgage, I do all those things that are coming in. This is beyond that. And this morning I just did that very simply, I opened my church app and I just went Youth Event Scholarship and just gave very simply. If you would like to, 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 to give to that, um, there's times that we're in a position to give <laughs> and there's times that we're like, right now I just really need it. My Goal of my hope is that every student would get to experience winter retreats in our youth camps. If you would like to do that, uh, just, just an encouragement for you to go on there and just do that, just given that way. And we, we uh, labeled it Youth Event uh, Scholarship so that if more comes in, we can put that towards youth camp. How many of you have gone to youth camp? You're like, man, that was awesome. You know. And, uh, and it was, it was uh, just one, one of great times. So th- thank you, Pastor Tiffin. Can we just pray for the youth and for all that they do? and for just the the teenagers. Father, we thank you for Pastor Tiffany and her youth team and her family. And God, we thank you for all the students that they come together every Sunday night, Lord, to hang out, to play together, to laugh together, uh, to eat candy together. And Lord, but they come together to be reminded there's a God who made them, to be reminded There's a purpose that God has given them, and to discover that and to find that, a place where they can bring stuff that they're going through, stuff they're being uh, challenged by, and that they can find this loving, just, God, Holy Spirit-filled place, Lord, to uh, grow in that. So, Lord, be with the youth ministry, be with all of our ministries, as we give all glory and honor to you in your name. Everyone say together, amen, amen.
1: Amen. Well, wow, you hear that? (laughs) We're going to be talking today about some of the the frequent obstacles, challenges, opportunities that we face as we think about this, this aspect of prayer in our lives. And one of the things that I love about following Jesus and pursuing him, you know, we talk a lot about our, our mission is to become and to make disciples mm-hmm. of Jesus. And we do that in three ways and it's not one either or it's as we gather grow and go as we do these these three things in our lives and as we pursue in that process we become more like jesus as we take that discipleship seriously and so as we are both becoming disciples we are always in process i'm i'm in process we're we're in process you're in process we are in process of becoming like jesus so as we become disciples and as we make disciples we have to look at these questions of like what it means to follow Jesus in all areas of our lives. And as we mentioned earlier, the disciples asked Jesus as they observed his prayer life, they, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Would you teach us that we see something about your life that doesn't look quite like ours and we need to learn? And one of the things that's so helpful as we think about this is that there's not just one way, one time a day, on your knees, walking, around. You know, there's not a right way to pray. We're just encouraged to pray, to pray according to God's word, mm-hmm. to pray biblically, to talk with the Father, to make it a daily part of our lives. But the way that you will encounter God may look a little bit Unique from the way that I, you know, because we've all been created in unique ways, and one of the helpful resources I love to be able to give resources whenever possible to just help you. If you feel stuck in this area of prayer, I know for me, for a very long time, I felt like the area was like, you know, like I'm doing the worst job ever at being a Christian in this area. I would have ranked prayer in that category.
0: You did pray for a husband, though. I did. And I pray for you. So and it
1: worked. <laughs> there you have it. You can take that for whatever you think. <laughs> that was a good thing. Good that analogy. was a very good I, thing. I thought it was good now. Yes. But if, if, as it related to that area, I felt a lot stronger in areas of Bible reading. I felt a lot stronger in areas that were probably a little different. But prayer, I, did, I felt like I was always a failure. My picture of prayer was like two hours every day on your knees, warfare, prayer, just storming the gates. And I always felt like I was missing that mark until I began to learn. There are a lot of different ways that I can pray, that I can begin this conversation mm-hmm. with God. I can begin. The goal of our of our conversation with God, of our prayer life, is so that we have an ongoing, as this is going on, as I'm talking, as I'm going about my day, I'm listening, and I'm responding to what God's saying, because I have an ongoing communication going that's, that's, Permeates my day. So there's lots of different types of prayers, and one resource that I love to to refer people to, if you're feeling stuck in any area of the spiritual health habits, is a book by Adele Alberg Calhoun called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. This is not a book you're going to take and read from cover to cover. This is a book that you can open up, and in the very beginning pages, there are categories, and prayer is one of them. And in that, they will list like all these different ways, scriptural, biblical historically rooted ways that the churches and saints over time have prayed um, or serving or giving or growing in humility or lots of different ways. And so if you feel like this is an area where I need to take some steps in some area of my life, this could be a helpful resource for you. Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Adele Alberg Calhoun. And another one that I've, this was a newer one to me, but it's been around for close to hundred years. It was first published in 1936. But I'm finding this a tremendously helpful way to invigorate my prayer life right now is a book by uh, scottish theologian john bailey and it's called a diary of private prayer i highly 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 recommend it there is a morning prayer and an evening prayer Uh, for one month. So the first day, second day, third day. So it's not a book to take you through your entire year. But it's a way to just one page, just a way of praying and praying according to the Scripture. I love it. It is solid. It's, It's just rooted in the Word of God. And this is a a beautiful way of just praying in different ways and thinking a little bit differently about how you pray. There are listening prayers, petitions. There are breath prayers, confessional prayers, intercessory prayers, conversational prayers, praying scripture. One of my favorite ways is to take something that I feel like God is speaking to me from scripture. As I'm reading and something kind of lifts to the surface, I love to take that and begin to pray those words I know that I'm praying in accordance with the will of God when I pray that way because I'm praying according to his words. Prayer of recollection, prayer walking, prayers of examine, where we pray like David did. Reveal to me my unknown sins. There are things I know about myself and things I don't know about myself. Reveal to me those things. Search my heart. When did I experience God today? When, did I, when was I growing and reflecting the fruit of the Spirit? When was that absent in maybe the way I responded today? Prayers of examine, prayers of lament. Praying in the Spirit, Mm -hmm. as we're encouraged to do. And as we encourage, you know, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to pray in the Spirit. It's a tremendous power gift that is available to us. There are commissioning prayers, like Mm -hmm. when they appointed elders and they sent them out for works of service. There are times when we commission prayer. Lots of different ways to pray. All to say, find one way that you can grow this year in prayer, and it will absolutely change your life. So today we're going to be looking at three things. We're going to look at the orientation of prayer. Prayer is rooted in relationship, as we talked about last week. And we're going to recap a couple of things in that area. The orientation of prayer, obstacles to prayer, because we all face them. We all face obstacles to prayer. And then how do we move onward? Onward. Onward. Let's press forward in the things of the Lord.
0: And that's great alliteration. we got three O's. You got them? What are they? <laughs> orientation. orientation obstacles, obstacles. And then onward. On. Onward. So let's start with orientation. We talked a little bit about that last week, about how prayer, prayer is rooted in relationship. We talked about the vine, and how Jesus said, remain in me. He said, I am the vine. And this was the big idea, and I'd like to go back and just read that scripture again. This, this, this is the scripture. Maybe you want to read this with me. Would you read this with me? Yes. Okay. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Ask anything in my name and it will be granted. So, Jesus is saying just like branches connected to the vine, they're going to grow and it enables them to grow and enables you to be healthy and enables you to produce fruit. So, we are meant to be connected to God. And we're also meant to produce fruit. Everything that's healthy needs to produce fruit. I think that's why so many times, if I'm not seeing fruit, I can get frustrated, right? Where are those markers for me? But it's important to recognize that as we relate to the fruit, as we recognize all of these things, that prayer is the vehicle for this connection that we have to God. Prayer is the vehicle for this transformation that takes place. I mean, that's why the disciples said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They recognized there was something that they were missing, and they also recognized the power that was happening with Jesus that, that, and, just, and just how he walked it through. And I think it's also important to recognize that when we talk about prayer, we're not just talking about saying the right things. We're not just talking about, you know, having all these things, but we're recognizing the power because when they asked him all these questions, when they said, why can't we drive out the demons? Why can't we do all these things we see you do? Jesus would often say things like, this kind can only come out by prayer but it's not about just having the right words. You know, there's times that uh, if we have someone who's a brand new Christian, and they'll come together, and I'll pray over them. And uh, there's times I've had people say to me, you know, you pray very different than how I've heard others pray. And I say, well, that's the Canadian way that we have. But I had one person, a uh, new convert, previous, previous atheist, and, he, and his, his comment to me was, he said, you pray like you're just talking to me. And I said, well, that's what prayer is. I said, the only difference that I recognize in that is that I'm talking to the Almighty God, maker yes. of heaven and earth, and that when I'm talking to him, there's an authority. There's things that God can do that no one else can do. But it's important to get to recognize it's not about the right formulas. It's not about phrasing things right. Prayer is that ongoing connection. It's about waking up and taking on his yoke. One of the prayers I prayed this morning is God... Help me to take on your yoke today, because your yoke is easy, your burden is light, Dwayne's yoke is messed up, it's heavy, and it's got a lot of junk coming along, right? I want to make sure every day that I get up and I pray, God, let me take on your yoke, make sure I'm with you, I'm walking in step with you, because when I'm doing this prayer, it aligns my life, it focuses my thoughts. But it also it opens up my ears to God, and that's going to radically transform your life supernaturally when you walk in that way, starting your day with it. Because when I'm walking in that way, I'm no longer trying to make things happen. I'm no longer trying to just, let's make some fruit today, but I'm walking with the Lord, the things he's laid out, seeds he's already planted, ground he's already prepared, and now I'm experiencing that walk with him, simply by walking with God, listening to God, and simply obeying his voice and experience it then these words of Jesus come alive when he said if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want, mm-hmm. ask whatever you wish. But it's that connection. And that connection is powerful. That's the connection he talked to his disciples. That's the connection he's teaching to us. It's walking with Jesus, being open, being very intentional. But it's hard because anytime that there's a that's such a powerful connection, that's where the enemy meets us. The enemy's goal is to separate you or to confuse you or to distract you from what God has for you. And that's why I I, I believe that prayer is often attacked in so many ways that we're gonna talk about it, because he knows if he can shut down our prayer life, he can shut down the effectiveness of a believer. So we want to just take some time today just kind of talk about some of those obstacles that we have in our prayer life, because we need to overcome these, but it's important to identify them. Just like when you go to a doctor, right? If you want to find healing, you need to have a good diagnostic first. What's really going on? So we're, we're going to talk through some of the obstacles that we have in prayer.
1: So if the orientation of our relationship with Jesus is to live, to make our home, to be connected to the vine, that abide in me, my words, just to make your home mm-hmm. In jesus to make your home in god if that is the orientation to prayer like dwayne said there are going to be a lot of things that the enemy of your soul will try to bring to try to separate and create confusion distraction just to, the goal is to just create distance between you and god that is the number one goal of the enemy of your soul to create distance between you and god and the further he can separate you from god the harder it is to hear his voice if i'm sitting right next to you i can hear him quite well If I'm trying to listen to Saba and Barquette in the very back of the room, I might have a hard time listening. Distance separates us. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that help that that create those obstacles or that distance between us and God, wrong expectations. How many of you know there's a very big difference between a spa and a gym? (laughs) Right? If you're expected to go to the spa, and sometimes prayer is like that. It's like, oh, it's refreshing. It just nourishes my Well, some people go to the soul. gym and they only
0: go to the smoothie bar. So.
1: Well, <laughs> I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes that, that if your expectation is, man, I'm going to go. I'm going to ref- be refreshed. Then, yes, that, sometimes that happens and sometimes that's a purpose. But sometimes God puts us in a gym because he knows there are some things that need to be worked mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Now, if your expectation is to be in one place or another and you find yourself in a different, that could create a little disillusionment or disengagement. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our expectations are just off and, and are that. Some other things that create um, some wrong expectations, maybe we're in a pruning process. If our home is to live in God, to abide in the vine, mm-hmm. in that same passage in John chapter 15, Jesus says and he teaches very clearly there are two types of things that happen. He says, for the branches that don't bear fruit, they're going to be chopped. Cut. Yes. They're going to be gotten rid of. You're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to get rid of that. But there are other kinds of things that happen. For the branches that do produce fruit, what does he say? I will prune. Prune. So whether you purge a branch or you prune a branch, either way you're getting cut. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is very difficult for us to accept. Sometimes we want to hold on to things that God's saying, it's time to let that go. You you really need to say goodbye to that and not even look back. And there are other times of saying, you know, you're effective in this area of your life. However, we need to make some strategic cuts. And thank God he tends our soul as a gardener. He knows. Mm -hmm. He knows exactly what he's doing. And when he makes those cuts... there's still a process. And I know you were even talking this week, Duane and I were talking about this. It's not that it completely heals over, it's Mm -hmm. just it has to seal those places that are cut, just have to seal. And that's part of that process. When we bought our house in 2014, it was a fixer-upper. It would put every HGTV show to shame. It had a lot, lot of layers and decades of neglect, um, and it needed a lot of work, lots of work.
0: We couldn't even get insurance for it.
1: Yeah, we, we had a lot of things that we had to, had to do yeah. to, to get that process. But one of the areas where it was very evident beyond the diaper box in the, in the window mm-hmm. and broken windows and eight inches of moss on top of, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of work. Um, but the yard Y'all, I mean, that yard was something else. Mm-hmm. The blackberry bushes and the ivy and everything grew all the way up to the back patio. We're talking about dec- like decades of feet. <laughs> Dozens <laughs> <laughs> of feet. It felt like decades. Yeah. There was a chicken coop in our backyard that we could not even see. There
0: was a hot tub. Because there
1: was a, there was a hot tub that we there. didn't find out about until yeah. we saw the disclosure. Like, Did if you you'd see like it, we tub can tub give it back? to
0: you. It's uh, full of vines. It's, it's gone. It's long since way, gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's how bad it was. There were things, there were structures, big structures back there. We couldn't even see because it was so overgrown. Mm-hmm. And some things we took care of year one, Micah went out with a machete and started and you know, hacking and, and, and Riley Br- and Braden. And, uh, I mean, those, those boys just took, took that yard to task. And there were some things that happened in year one that were easily cleared. We started gaining some footing in that, in that yard. There's are some things that we took care of in year six, like the big tree we've talked about that was rotten, mid-trunk. It was going to fail 110 feet high. Mm-hmm. We needed professionals to come in and do that. We couldn't do that work ourselves. Mm-hmm. And some of that work took place a year a little bit later. And then last year, year eight, we started taking some more territories. We started actually beginning to shape this because we had to put a lot of effort, just physical labor, into our house. Mm-hmm. So now we're turning that attention all the say, there are some things you're going to take care of, some things you need help with. There are going to be some things that are going to be taken care of immediately, and some things that are going to take time. And that process of purging, pruning, is essential to our faith, but sometimes can be a little hard to accept at times. Yeah,
0: so you've got to have, got to have that expectation going in. It's going to be a steel stream. Sometimes it's going to be a war room. Sometimes it's going to be pruning. And uh, all those things are there, so just expect them. I think another big distraction we have with with prayer is distraction. And one of the number one distractions that we have, anybody ever heard of one of these before? (laughs) This is an iPhone. I mean, I can't... Thank God I didn't have this in high school when I was in high school. Um, it's, and so, some of you may think, well, he's showing the Kraken symbol. Well, that, that can be a distraction too. But we have now, we have the power, power of the universe in our pocket right here. With so much going on, we can Google things. I, I know people, they've written papers just by voice to text on it and gotten an A. I mean, my goodness. You know, we, we're, we're so distracted. So many options, so many videos, uh, so many things being communicated, so many news sources, and I mean, for me, I think even in this prayer of fasting, you know, when I've talked about fasting to, to people, there were people that were more scared to give up their phone than food. Mm-hmm. Food, that's easy. Giving up my phone. Dear me, how do I function without that? And I think a lot of us, I, I think it's good for us as we look at this, what are the things that are distracting us? And sometimes as you go to prayer... Uh, one, one of the ways that things I like to do is I, I, I keep a journal and I just write things down and if there are things that are distracting me sometimes I'll write that down because there's times the Lord brings things into your heart to deal with but there's times it's just all these squirrels and foxes they come in into your heart and sometimes you just need to write them down and move on and there's sometimes the Lord will have you write them down to prune or to go through but we have to deal with the distractions the things that would keep us from prayer
1: Yes, another obstacle is unanswered prayer. How many of you have prayed for something and not seen it happen? How many of you have felt ever just really discouraged by that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've been there. Sometimes we give up when we think our prayers are not being answered. And as we, as we were talking about this, I was reminded of the scripture in Daniel 10, where Daniel's taking three weeks. He's had this revelation that something hard is going to happen, And he begins to pray. We hear about this famous Daniel fast Mm -hmm. um, where he sets aside the delicacies and the meats and he begins to pray intently for three weeks, asking for God to to show him more, to answer his prayer, for, for God to relent. And sometimes we need to be reminded, just like Daniel, this can be a process. So for three weeks, he's praying and fasting and not thinking he's experiencing breakthrough until day 21, when an angel appears to him and says, Daniel, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And he says, God, from the first day, from the first day, from day one, that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. From day one, your words were heard when you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself. Things are happening and developing in the spirit realm, and sometimes we don't always see it in our everyday lives. But we have to persevere in prayer. We, we pray and we do not give up. That's why Paul encouraged us to pray and to keep on praying and keep on praying and to keep on praying in Philippians. Don't give up. Persevere in prayer. Because sometimes that breakthrough is on the other side of a season of seeking God and humbling ourselves and, and waiting for that answer. But from day one, when you incline your heart, when you set your heart in the direction of following after Jesus and hearing his voice and humbling yourself, he hears your prayer. Isn't that good news? He hears us, don't give up. There's also clear teaching in the Bible that there are some reasons why prayer may be unanswered. And one of those is unconfessed or habitual sin. And again, this is a sermon for all of us today. There are areas that we confess easily, things, again, some things that we know it's easy to give to God and some things that are going to take some time. Unconfessed sin. Isaiah 59, 2 says, your sins have cut you off from God. Maybe you're not feeling heard because you're choosing a pattern. You're falling into a pattern. And it's not that God's grace is, is not sufficient to cover it. He absolutely does. But it requires cooperation on our part to turn to mm-hmm. dismantle those old patterns and to begin to follow him. Isaiah 1.15 says, When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you multiply your prayers, I will not listen because your hands are covered with blood. This, this aspect of confessing sin, turning away from habitual sin, is really important. One of my favorite scriptures on this is Psalm 66.18. It says, If I had not confessed the sin that was in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. The Lord would not have heard me if I had not confessed. Sin has to be dealt with. But here's the greater promise found in 1 John 1, 9. And this is one I have leaned into many times. But if we confess our sins to him, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Can we say this scripture together? For some of you, this is the hopeful word that you need to hear today. God can forgive. You're not stuck in a hopeless pattern. God can and will forgive you. Can we say this together? 1 John 1, 9. But if we We confess confess our our sins to him, him, he he is faithful and just to forgive forgive us our our sins and to to cleanse cleanse us from from all wickedness. wickedness. This is a great place to remind us what repentance means. Again, Mm -hmm. we confess, but then we begin to tear this down. It's that ruthless dismantling of what got me there, as John Ortberg talks about. It's Mm -hmm. about reversing the patterns that got us there and surrendering to the only power, there is only one power that has the power to break the the sin in your life, to break the patterns, the addictions in your life, and that is the power of the blood of Jesus. That is it. And so as we turn, he will do the work.
0: Because again, this is about reconciling relationship. And this is true for anything, right? If I if I did something against Stephanie. And then I show up and said, "Hey, are you ready for our date tonight?" She's like, "Wait a We're minute." We're gonna have some things
1: to work out. <laughs> we got some
0: things to work out. That's because every relationship begins with health, and as it relates to sin, it's just it's dealing with the things that are getting in the way of relationship, the odds, you know. Now, as it relates to Stephanie, we have both things to confess. The thing with God is He is perfect; I am not, and it's this confession but he's the healer and the savior. Yes. So let's just, let's, just, uh, let's just deal with it and just move on. So, um, so it's important to deal with that. Uh, the other thing that we talked about a little bit last week was wrong motives. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered because our motives are messed up. James talks about this. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your, on your passions. And he says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So this is a reminder that as it relates to God 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 provides for his purpose right He has a purpose for all of our lives and his provision is directly connected to that purpose and so he's not going to provide something that's going to go against his purpose and conversely, you know, God has a purpose for everyone. You know, he has something that we can't even understand. He knows everybody. He sees everybody. He hears everything. He hears every distraction in my head as I'm, as I, as I'm speaking today. He has every distraction in your head as you're listening today. He hears it all. He's not going to give me something that's going to hurt you, right? And he's also not going to give you something that's going to hurt me. And that fleshes out in a lot of ways that our motives need to be connected. That's why as it relates to prayer... We see this happening in the prayers of Paul and the prophets so many times that that at the very end, if God didn't provide it, they just went, then I don't need it. That's why I'll I'll often say this. I'll often say, if God doesn't give it, I don't need it. Mm -hmm. If I'm praying for something and God doesn't provide it, then you know what? I don't need it. And that might be good for us all to say. Let's all just say that and confess this today. If If God God doesn't doesn't give it, it, I don't need it. it. One more time, Mm -hmm. if God doesn't give it, it, I don't need it, so I need to walk in trust that everything I need is hands provided because he's faithful.
1: Yes. And then also a lack of faith. Yeah. Throughout the discipleship process, when the disciples were worried about food or storms or any just those practical everyday things they ran into, they ran to Jesus scared, and Jesus' response is, why are you afraid? Mm-hmm. Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Matthew eight twenty six. Jesus often referenced their level of faith when they hit obstacles, because this is what Jesus talked about in Matthew 17 when yeah. he healed the boy of of the demon. I know you love to to share that a lot of times. It's like what I, I, I love, can't I love, this love out. sharing
0: about demons, right? It's what like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's but no in this I, I love it that in that you know this is a very practical, real thing. I mean, we're dealing with deep hurt and 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 so many things, and even in that day that we're uh, we're children, we're monetized in this way, just massive abuses going on, and so. so So Jesus, looking at this, he had this saying that if you have a faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say that mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible. What, he was leaning into a famous saying of that day of like moving mountains. When he talked about moving mountains, he was saying that nothing is impossible. He wasn't talking about reorganizing the geography. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't saying, today, Dwayne, if you have enough faith, you're going to move Mount Rainier, and then we're going to work <laughs> on Mount Baker, and then we're going to go to Mount Olympus over in the Olympics. He's not saying that, okay? What he's saying is that he's not going to reorganize the geography in our lives. He's saying that I'm going to do the impossible within the geography in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference, isn't it? Right? And sometimes we just want to say, God, just move everything to the side, get everything out of the way. And there's times that I've seen that. I've seen them do that. But most often in my life, the mountains are there. How many of you have mountains in your life mm-hmm. today? The mountains are there. The geography is there. But he's saying, you know what? I'm going to enable you to move and to walk and to overcome and it's and and a process because this is the aspect of faith that we talked about because when Jesus talked about this this faith of the mustard seed he was talking about two primary things that we see later in scripture and the first one as it relates to faith is hearing God we need to know his, his voice right? faith comes by hearing. hearing and hearing by the word of God so as it relates to prayer to coming in to um, some of these obstacles we need to remove every obstacle as it relates to hearing so it's turning things off I love what one of our favorite authors, one of our friends, Alicia Sholey says, is that it's, it's, the, it's the thinning of our lives in order to thicken our communion with God. So we need to hear God, but then we also need to obey God. It's not enough just to hear God. And that's true of every relationship. I think sometimes it's the obstacles when we know what to do, And we even see this in scripture, Lord, I know what to do, but help me in doing this and walking this out because a big big part of faith is obeying it because faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And I think sometimes our prayers are unanswered and, and they're not there because we don't move. God speaks to us. He shows us what to do, and we say yes and amen, and, and we pray about it. But then we walk out, and we're not moving in those ways. We're not trusting in those days. See, God, he's offering the answer, but we need to receive it. That's why Hebrews 11 says faith is the substance. Something, there's a substance there of things that we've hoped for, but it's the evidence of things not seen. If we want to see mountains move, we need to act and walk in obedience, and that's the tough part when we moved back to seattle back in 2014 we 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 moved we we didn't know the house that we're going to live in we we didn't know what the provision was going to look like we didn't know a lot of those things that were going to take place which is very unlike me i want the excel spreadsheet laid out i want the plan laid out i want to do all this reconnaissance where i can go out and see it because i have four kids that i'm responsible for and i'm going to stand before god how did you do in raising them i have a family i have responsibilities I was in a wonderful place of ministry where things were happening. There was fruit happening everywhere that we went. When God called me to leave, he called me to leave very differently, and he cut off all that stuff. Not the relationship, but all, all, that, all, all that, that provision. And I was like, dear God, how am I going to do this? And he kept coming in and saying, saying to me as it related to that, when I would say, God, how am I going to take care of my kids? I heard God say to me, Dwayne, who's the better father, you or me? Mm-hmm. And, I, was, and I, I knew the answer. God, you're, you're a better father than me, but inside I'm going, this isn't very fatherly. <laughs> Have you ever had that, where you disagreed with God? Yes, you're a better father, but why? And then as I would walk through, well, you know, Lord, so many ministry things are happening. He's like, well, who's in charge of the, of the ministry in life, you or me? I'm like, well, you, but what about all this stuff that's over here? This is the feat, and and I'm not going to go into it today. Some of you know part of the story, but so many miracles took place. But every step I took, I was literally just going, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? I had tears of fear. I'm not talking about the 80s band, okay? (laughs) I had tears of fear. (laughs) And then I had tears of provision that were right there. But I'm telling you, there was a period of about six years in there, and, and that keeps coming up to where they met right here. We want the provision before we get to pay the bill, right? But there were times I literally stood and I would have to say, I don't have it. And then God would pour it in right in that moment, right in that moment. Scared me to death, but it built me. It it grew my faith. And some of those things he's doing again, so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm going to pray more, I'm going to pray more.
1: But when we act on what God tells us, he moves the mountains. We can't move them. He does. He does that work. And I would love for you just to think for a moment, what is that mountain? Mm -hmm. If you were to say, I have this mountain in my life or these mountains in my life that just feel absolutely impossible. I've been praying about this. I've been asking God for change in this relationship, in my finances, to provide this, this obstacle, my health. Bill, we're praying for you. I know you've had that recurrence of lymphoma, Mm -hmm. but we're believing in the name of Jesus that he's going to provide an answer to you. He'll provide health and he'll work out all the details. What is that mountain? When you think of that mountain, what is it? Call it to mind. Name it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say that loud, but name it. What is that thing that feels absolutely impossible? What is your mountain?
0: When your children have mountains, they become your mountains. Yes. What are some of the mountains in your children's lives? Or what where, is that mountain? Or where, where you work?
1: God's going to move it, and we believe that's going to happen. Yeah. So how do we move forward? The orientation of prayer is relationship with Jesus, abiding in the vine. There are obstacles to prayer we've talked about, but how do we move forward? How do we move onward in prayer? Very practically, we're going to hit the reset button. We're going to hit the reset button. When my kids were small, my boys will remember this, especially. If I blew it, they blew it, someone needed correction, someone felt like they are just beating themselves up because they didn't respond in the way they wanted to, and now they're just feeling so terrible. I would look at them and I would say, hit the reset button. And sometimes I would say, hold out your hands, touch mine, we're hitting the reset button. In other words, we're moving on. Mm-hmm. We're not going to stay beating ourselves up about what just happened or how we blew it or anything else because that's, that's not walking in the grace covering of Jesus. God gives us fresh starts, new mercies every day, and God allows us to hit that reset button. So if you feel like you've blown it in some area of your life or maybe you're not seeing that breakthrough, maybe one of these obstacles, you're saying, yeah, that's me. Today, you lift up your hand. If that's you, lift up your hand. We're going to do this together. All right, you ready? All right, hands up. There's some area (laughs) of our lives that we need to hit the reset button. All right, hit it. Boom. Done. Hit the reset button. Start again. Try again. Get up and get going. New mercies every there, morning. There is a new mercy. There's a fresh yeah. start that's just waiting for you. And some of you, it's, that's as practical as hitting the reset button even in your homes. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are some things that you have kind of let slide or maybe, you know, your kid's been putting up a fuss like I did as a kid. I'm like, I don't really want to go to church today. I don't want to blah, 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 blah. Even when I did, I grew up in a pastor's home and I would use, I love the excuse. It's just because we're a pa- you're a pastor that I have to be here today. And my parents would look at me and said, no, it's not. It's because we're Jesus followers. We're Christians. Now get up and go to church. You know? <laughs> it's a pattern. And, you know, we've had that same testing. Our kids are not, like, you know, just perfect in this area of, like, oh, I want to, I can't wait to go and worship Jesus. Sometimes they feel like that. And sometimes they're like us. we are like, I'd rather be sleeping in today. You know, that's going to be an ongoing struggle because everything moves against, mm-hmm. you know, our desires when we submit our desires to his desires. Hit the, hit the reset yeah. button. Be still, that's another practical area. How we move forward, we need to get still. I love the scripture in Psalm 46:10, it says, Be still and know that I'm God. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know the power of God, if you want to have the peace of God, if you want to see those things happen and change, you've got to get still and know that I'm God. I love the, the Hebrew, Hebrew translation of be still it literally means cease striving, let go. Relax. Did you know that you can relax and let God just handle things? What what a relief. When we come and we present these needs and these obstacles to God, we can let go, we can cease striving and relax and know that He is God. John Ortberg went to Dallas Willard and asked, What do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? Dallas Willard responded by saying, Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life today. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is nothing else. Those things that keep us spinning, striving, working, you got to let it go. Yep. Cease striving, let go, relax. Leave those distractions, move forward with God in prayer. Mm-hmm. Henry Nouwen said, solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the, true, of, of the false self. But solitude is the place, listen to this, solitude is the place of great struggle mm-hmm. and the great encounter. And when you get alone with God and you spend time getting still before him, listening for him, you're going to encounter two things. One, a great struggle, but also the great love of God. Mm-hmm. And Both of those things happen simultaneously when we get alone. Prayer causes us to be still, to look at ourselves, and we need to embrace that struggle in order to have the great encounter that God has designed for each of us.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, by being still, again, we're not talking about just like inactivity, in though sometimes it's that, right? But we're talking about just this the stilling of it a is. heart, the stilling of that, which is tough for us. Because sometimes I think, well, you know, being still is laying in bed and looking at kayaking and fishing videos on YouTube, right? And sometimes it is a little bit like that, okay? This is full confession. But what we're talking about is that stilling of our heart, that washing away of all things but God. Because there's this stillness that takes place, but then there's also there's this living out of your faith, right? Those that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew, Renew their strength so that they can fly, you know, they can fly like the, e- they can fly like the eagles, eagles. They can, they, they can walk and not grow weary. They can run and not faint. And we have these two tensions together where rest as well as living it out go together. That's why as we overcome, we need to live out our faith. We need to live out our faith, and we quote this a lot from James when he says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith without good works is dead. There's this working out of our faith. You know, to to, to pray and then not act on what God has told you to do, then from what James is telling us, it's like taking a breath in and then holding it. Now, how is that going to go in your life? You know, it's like like, Dr. Phil, how's that going for you? You know, it's like when we just hold our breath, eventually you're going to pass out because life is about breathing in and then letting it out. And what do we do after we let it out? You Hopefully, you're again. breathing in again. <laughs> and what do you do after that? You breathe let on. it out. And what do you do after that? Breathe you're in. breathing in, it, right? Now, it's very monotonous and very boring, you stop doing that, life stops. And that's what James is saying. Air brings life. We need, we need to have both of these things in tension where we need to allow ourselves to be still so that we can live out our faith. I was, walk, I was watching this little 10-minute documentary last night about this guy who, he made his money building up this uh, chicken empire. It's not the colonel. And then he sold it, and he bought land in Texas that nobody wanted. It was dead. It was worthless. Gone. Totally gone. I know. It's... I've cried over Texas before, Um, but it was totally gone, and he bought this, and he went in, and one of the big problems that he had is he was like, why is there no water here? So they drilled 11 wells all over, and, and he's spending his money, and he's going, there's no water here. We can't have water. There's no life. What's going on? And one of his drill operators came back and called him by name and said, you know what? I drilled in this one area, and the drill bit dropped 40 feet He said, There's a big cavern in all of this stone that is meant to be the cistern for holding water in. And he's like, That's why there's no water, because something is happening to where that's not filling up, to where the water that is hitting it is just running off instead of the water that is hitting the land is coming in. And they had all these cedar trees and all these trees everywhere. And what he discovered was that he had to get rid of some of those trees and he had to plant grass. He was leaning into what was this land meant for? What what was it there? Could have made a lot of money on cedar, but he's like, there's no water, so this is not going to happen. When they planted the grasses of that area for that area and they planted the seed, within two years, they had their first spring popped up. In two years, where now where it was dead, now water was filling up and it was flowing out. And then another spring popped up and then another spring popped up, not because he was pumping in irrigation, but because now in the, in the hills of Texas that I didn't even know they had hills in Texas, they walked through and now it was filling up and was flowing out and animals were coming in again. And not only that, water was flowing from his property, even downstream to the city of Austin to help provide water for them. And I felt in that moment, the Lord saying, you know, you've got to fill up. There's times that we just keep running and we try to put all the stuff around us that it keeps the water from soaking in our lives.
1: Plant some grass.
0: Sometimes we just got to plant some grass. Sometimes we got to prune some stuff so that we can live out our faith, but it's this act of just going back and forth and back and forth. That's why we have these disciplines in our life. Farmers are very disciplined people. There's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. There's a time to rest. There's a time to take care of the gear to get it ready for the next season and there's a season where it's all hands on where they have to respond to what's going on but it's the disciplines of their life the things that come in the commitment that takes place that enables them to do that we have these disciplines in place for all for our lives that Jesus has laid out Bible. We need to know the Word of God. It needs to be a light unto our path. We need to know as we move onward that we are men and women of prayer, that we're spending that quiet time in the morning, that we're setting aside time where, when we're listening to God, but we're also opening our mouth. There is power that takes place when we pray in just opening our mouth. Very scary for me, especially as a teenager. But when I began to just verbalize what was in my heart, my prayer took on a different experience. Now, I didn't have to be like, you know, brother, brother, brother Joe over here who was just very loud and demonstrative that was not me especially when I was in high school but as I just began to speak things and just say things there was something that was taking place because now I'm not just thinking the words I'm committing to a word I'm putting it out there and Stephanie's hearing it and my kids are hearing and people around me are hearing it I have the discipline of prayer I have the, the discipline of gathering together when I don't gather now with the body of Christ, something is wrong, something is off, because I need to hear how you're doing, you need to hear how I'm doing, we need to encourage each other. I have this time set aside, whether I'm a pastor or whether I'm not a pastor, that I come together and I be here, we need these disciplines, we need to fuel up, we need to see what's going on, because the Lord is doing a work in us, and these are all the disciplines that feed into, I love the story of D.L. Moody, when he, he was speaking with this, this pastor, Pastor Henry Varley, and he was talk, talking about, you know, he was, he was a young pastor and just, just really wanted to do great things for God. And these are the words of, of Pastor Henry Varley, spoken to D.L. Moody as he was going to Chicago. He said to D.L. Moody, he said, The world has yet to see what the Lord will do through someone who is fully committed to God. The world has yet to see what the Lord will do through someone who is fully committed committed to god then dl moody followed up by saying god let that person be me let that person be me is that your prayer this morning god that that would be me my heart my mind my soul Mm -hmm. fully 100 percent committed to you no looking back no pulling back no more excuses just walking and trusting that's the life of peter that was the life of paul with all their failures, just fully committed. God, help me bring this back into a line as I walk with you, as I walk with you.
1: As we conclude today, um, I was reminded of this illustration this week uh, as I was listening to a podcast. And I thought it was such a great, great one for our time together. If I told you that next week we're going to go on a vacation, we're going to go to Hawaii, we're going to go to the beach, we're going to go to Disney, and then I started telling you about all the ways we were going to get there, the car that we're going to rent is going to be big. The tires, amazing. You're going
0: to be 15 hours with your You're going to be so comfortable. You're going to be riding 15
1: <laughs> hours with your, with your siblings. Mm-hmm. And I told you about all the different ways about how you were going to get there. But I told you nothing about the destination. How excited do you think you would be? It's going to be a comfortable ride or a terrifying ride. Both. And we'll get there. Now, how different would that be if I looked at you and I said, once we get there, wait till you see your kids' face light up when they walk through those gates of Disney? Just wait till you see the sunrise at the beach. Wait till you hear and you get to taste that fresh fruit when you get there. Stephen DeAnne just got back. If I told you about the destination and I said, this is what awaits you if you do that, don't you think you would be willing to endure the car ride? Mm-hmm. That's what the spiritual disciplines are. We're not encouraging you to pray, read your Bible, get, or, uh, come to church. That's the vehicle that's going to get mm-hmm. you there. Yeah. But what we know, what we've experienced, and what many of you in this room have experienced is that once you put those things in place, it doesn't matter if some of it's uncomfortable and some of it's life-giving, it, that part doesn't matter. Those are just the vehicle that's going to get you to the destination. The destination is transformation in your life. Mm-hmm. So that mountain that you think can't move that's the reason. That's the reason we're putting these things in place this year. That's what you have to look forward yeah. to. When your kids look at you and say, man, I've seen such a change in your life this year. When you can be with your friends and say, you're not talking the same. Well, what is going on? But Your life is changing. You have a piece about you that I haven't seen in all the time that I've known you. Or your financial situation reverses. Th- those things in your life that you think are impossible, with God's help... And putting these disciplines in place along the way, these are going to be the, the, the tools that God will use and the Holy Spirit will use to bring about transformation. And that's what you have to look forward to. Yeah. That's what you have to look forward to.
0: Yeah, it's, it's all standing here this morning.
1: Yeah.
0: It's, it's all standing here this morning as we walk through. And we want to head into response. I know that we've gone a little bit long. Stephanie and I have a lot of practice talking with one another. And uh, <laughs> thank you for joining me today. Um, but as we walk through... I believe there's a lot of healing that needs to take place in this room today. And, you know, when you go to a doctor, before the doctor does anything or says anything, he or she recognizes that there needs to be a good diagnosis. And the doctor begins to ask, how are you feeling? Where where does it hurt? What are you experiencing in your life? And as it relates to this, and I'd encourage you to even write write them down if you have a note-taking app in your phone or just take a card in front of you, not to turn in, but just to keep for yourself... You know, as the worship team even now begins to play, just ask yourself, you know, what obstacles are getting in the way of my prayer life? What are the obstacles that are getting in the way? Is it, you know, is it unconfessed sin that I need to deal with? Is it frustration? Are there other frustrations that are taking place? Are there, what are those obstacles? Is it time? We outlined several of those. Is it wrong expectations? Is it, I've been asking God for this and he has not answered in all these things the Lord says bring it to prayer I'd encourage you to write this down and to pray maybe you want to kneel where you are maybe you want to God has healed me a lot on these very steps maybe you want to be so bold just say you know what I want to head in this year I, I, just, I just want to deal with it and you want to come forward you want to kneel here or you want to pray with someone there or you want to go to a prayer wall but just do that and then ask yourself, what would my life look like if I were fully committed to God? I didn't say if you're a Christian, I'm, I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ, but there are areas of my life that need to be surrendered to God, that this hurts, habits, and hang-ups that I need to say, God, I'm, I'm going to turn off this. I'm going to turn off social media. I'm going to turn off Netflix. I'm going to turn off all these things. I'm going to turn off whatever the distraction is. Maybe there's a relationship that God's saying, it needs to be done. That's a distraction in your life. And then what are one or two things you can do to hit that reset button Stephanie talked about? Setting a time every day. Be faithful to gather like we're doing. Maybe it's joining a group where you can get with people and just work this out and grow in your faith. Maybe it's inviting somebody. You want to be excited about coming here? You'll invite your friend, because then you're like, Pastor Dwayne. don't blow it today. I brought my friend. (laughs) Don't say anything weird. All of these things, what does that look like for you today? And before you leave, write those down. Share them with somebody. Here's something I'm doing. Would you help me walk in this? Can we do that? So Lord, we, we commit it to you. You told us everything in prayer to come to you. So, Lord, as we just take these few moments to respond, God, I pray that you would reveal obstacles that we know and obstacles maybe that are hidden from us. Things that are getting in the way. Show us as we walk. Prayer is the vehicle of that relationship with you. So, Lord, help us today in your name. Every day, every moment, every hour, God, may we become more aware of your presence that's everywhere and is in us. But your word says that your eye... Goes to and fro the earth, looking to move in the hearts of those who are committed to you. And God, may we, like the El Moody said, yes, let that be me, let that be me. But I recognize it's in your strength, your power, and that I need to decrease so that you can increase in my life in the world. So do your work in us, I pray, in your name. Everyone said together, Amen, Amen. And as you leave today, be sure to do uh, the pray without ceasing, being responsive. And to tell your story, whatever God is doing, someone was sharing about how they were in a grocery store and somebody was just following them around because they sent something different and it opened up this wonderful opportunity, right? So if someone's, someone's next to you, don't, don't think they're just trying to steal your apples over there. Maybe they're, they're experiencing something from the Lord, so be doing that. Also, next, again, next week we're going to be in a new series on hope. We're going to be talking about a lot of things, but one of the things we're talking about is mental health, and on February 5th, I'm excited. One of the things that I prayed for uh, last year is I was like, Lord, would you open of a door where we could have a counseling service here at Shoreline Community Church, and we uh, we, we came in contact with Gateway Counseling. It's, uh, I think, gateway... Yeah, gatewaycounseling.co, and Mario White, the director of that counseling service, reached out and said, we have someone who's looking to set up an office here, and... Uh, and the Lord has just been opening up that door for us where she is here. They're going to be here on February 5th. I'm going to have a great conversation with Mario. We're going to talk about mental health, what it looks like. This is a Christian counseling service. And already just hearing about so many wonderful things. And if you're looking for somebody, we encourage you to reach out. You can contact our office. It's confidential. And, um, and uh, we need someone to talk things through. Mental health is so important, and it's so challenging. And I want you to know, as your pastor, there is no shame. There is no shame. We've needed it. I've gone to counselors before, and I thank and praise the Lord for that. So there's no shame reach out. Reach out. We'd love to help you. So uh, be sure. Be here all the weeks, but especially on the 5th. (laughs) Especially on the 5th. We'd love to see you every, every, every weekend. This is our benediction as we say this. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.